You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by the great Maria Cornelius here back again. And Maria, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you, Nathaniel. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's my fault. It's been a little while since we've done a Lady of All Basketball podcast. And I, I apologize for that. I didn't really want to. It was, it was Christmas break and all sorts of stuff. And Lady of Alls were playing, you know, some lower tier uh, non-conference play. And I thought, I'll wait till we get the SEC play to talk about Lady of Alls and, and do a full-on show about them. So who better bring back on than Maria, who helped me launch this podcast uh, for the, the Lady of All specific one. So really excited to have you on here. A lot's happened. Again, I want to plug the show here. A lot of you may be watching this on YouTube because we have YouTube now. And the last Lady Vault episode was also a video podcast, which I had Kelly and Stitz of WATE6 on. So big thank you to her again. So if you're on YouTube, you can like this video, share it, subscribe while you're here as well. If you're just listening to the audio of it, you know, thank you so much. Regardless of how you're listening to it, watching it, please uh, share with your friends. We really appreciate you guys uh, all listening and tuning in. But Maria, since we last talked, we talked before the season began, there's been a lot's happened, obviously. But over the last week, Layball's picked up two really impressive, really nice wins. They hosted Alabama and got a home victory against Alabama to open up SEC play without Jordan Horston and, of course, without Ray Burrell. And then this weekend, Ray Burrell returned. She came in, I think it was late in the first quarter against Arkansas on the road, immediately drained a bucket, and then ended up, you know, didn't make it after that, but played just a few minutes, just trying to get the legs back under her. Horston was obviously a little uh, rusty as well from missing practice and everything, but she came in. And now we have a cat sighting here for all the ones on the video. <laughs> uh, but the horse that comes back in and, and, you know, and she's a little rusty. Really, though, the story I think of this weekend was Tamari Key's stellar fourth quarter performance, uh, Jordan Walker hitting the three. But really, I just want to talk about these two games in general before I get into specifics. Maria, I don't think you could have asked for a really a better start in SEC play for Lady Vols. They go on the road and get a, a really tough victory against what I think is a very good Arkansas team. And they host Alabama without their two stars playing in that game and win that one. And they ended up, you know, and that one pulling away late. That one was another game that was close going into the fourth quarter. Layballs trailed and, you know, going to the fourth quarter against Arkansas won. This, this team is the cardiac kids is what we've, I think we've all started calling them. But I, I just kind of get your thoughts, you know, as a whole on those two games and, and how the Layballs also started SEC play right now. That's the way you want to start. I mean, every com- conference win is is precious. I, I, you get a win on the road, it's pure gold. I mean, you have. I've always said you've got to hold your home court and steal as many wins as you can on the road. And uh, yes, I, Nathaniel, I wholeheartedly agree. Arkansas is a tough place to play, and uh, Amber Ramirez put up twenty six. I think the last time she played Arkansas at at Tennessee, she put up twenty nine. So. Mm-hmm. There's something about her when she sees orange, she's uh she's ready to go. And that that's a tough game. It's uh I mean you Jordan Horston of course had missed two weeks of practice because of the Christmas break. She missed two straight games. She didn't play in Chattanooga game on Monday either. It's the Lady Vols third game of the week. I mean you start getting tired at that point. That's that's three games in one week. Even if the first one, you know, you were able to go deep in your bench, that was good that Kelly was able to use pretty much everybody she had available, which I guess would have been 10 players at that point, or 11 at that point. I'm trying to count here in my head. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, Tennessee hasn't been full strength hardly at all this season. I mean, even the first game that Horst, uh, that Jordan uh, Horston missed because of her ankle injury where Ray got hurt. I mean, so Tennessee really hasn't been at full strength for any game until sort of Sunday against Arkansas when, when Ray made, made her appearance. Now, Ray, I mean, she has been off the court since November 10th. She is trying, I mean, is she rusty? Absolutely. She's trying to get her, you know, legs under her, her wind, get back in the flow of basketball, but it was impressive that she caught that ball. And I mean, it was nothing but net. That was a beautiful shot. Her toe just nicked the line. It was ruled a three and then overruled as a two when they went back to review it at halftime. But it was a vintage Ray shot. And 
and Kelly said after the game that what she needs, you know, Ray needs to get back in the flow. She needs to get not so much confidence, but just get the muscle memory back and the basketball back and see how that knee responds. She's going to have to go full, full go in practice. I'm sorry. This cat was asleep. It's a peanut. Um, she's going to have to go full go and practice, you know, several times a week and see how, see how that goes, see how she feels. And, but it's certainly a great positive step in the right direction for, for Tennessee. If she can use the month of January to get back acclimated to basketball, because that, that elevates Tennessee's roster tremendously. If you're senior forward is, is, and she was, you know, started the season on every preseason watch list there was, I mean, that, that would elevate yeah. Tennessee tremendously. Yeah. And my, my next question is about her return because I know she you know, only played 12 minutes, but when she's out there, it seemed like, for the most part of the offense was more open. It seemed like, you know, maybe while well, her shots weren't falling, she only, you know, she only took a handful, but other players were getting more opportunities. And it seemed like for a little bit there, it kind of provided a little burst of offense. And that's what I think this, this lady of all team has missed more than anything other than free throw shooting has been those bursts of offense when they go stagnant. She didn't play a whole lot in the second half when she was in there the first half. That's why I noticed that, you know, Hey, there's certain pickups and points here. And I thought they could actually eclipse 70. They did end up getting 70, which they mm-hmm. haven't done a ton this year. Um, but I think, you know, what, what do you think is the plan? I don't know if coach Harper said anything after the game about it, but what do you think is the plan for Ray moving forward? You know, how slowly do you think they're going to try to implement her back into the lineup? When do you think we'll see her back at the starting lineup? What, what do you think? What Kelly said after the game is she needs live reps. That is the only thing that can get her back ready. Now she said, we can get a lot of those in practice five on five. Then the key becomes what it becomes with any player returning to the lineup. How does your knee respond? Are you having any soreness, any swelling, any tenderness? How are you feeling the next day when you come into practice? Are you ready to go? I mean, it's it, it, injuries are are not anything. I mean, you have to pay attention to them. She has an incredible future ahead of her as a professional athlete, and you have to be very careful with that. I think Ray very much wants to play this season, and you have to be careful that she doesn't push herself beyond a point that – that it's not the, in her best interest. So that it's, it's always a tough balance. And that's why if you're a head coach and Pat did this too, turn it over to Jenny Moshak, you turn it over to your medical staff because you're not qualified to make that call. Head mm-hmm. coaches know that. And if they say she can go, then, then Kelly will play her. How quickly will all depend on how practice goes. And w- the Lady Vols are obviously home this Thursday against uh, Texas A&M, and then you got two more games on the road. And anytime you have consecutive travel games, that takes away from practice time in your, on your own home court because you got to allow time for travel. So it, the, I think the process will be slow. We saw her warm up against Alabama, obviously. She was in the layup line and, and warming up. She looked rusty then. It it, uh, it was apparent that it didn't really look like Kelly was intended to play her against Alabama, mm-hmm. but she wanted her to go through the warm up process. It's like baby steps to getting back. Then she puts her in the game against uh, Arkansas. She hits that first shot. Ray is an outstanding free throw shooter. Of course, she missed the two she took because you've just been away from competition for so long. I mean, that's muscle memory of getting, okay, what's my routine? What did I do? I mean, she would be, I, she'll get that right back. I'm not worried about rail. Rail hit 80, 85% going forward. And that will help Tennessee tremendously because that's somebody you could have in late in a closed game because she's going to hit, hit her free throws. So I think, I think the game plan will be ease her in see how she does, see how it goes, and basically leave it up to her, you know, her performance, her how she feels physically, and 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 go from there. Uh, I mean, if she were to fully come back, it would it would be hard to envision her not returning to the starting lineup. I mean, right. most coaches say you don't lose your spot by injury. I mean, you can lose it by performance, but not by by injury. So I would think when she reached that point, she would return to it. And given the aches and pains and nicks and illness and everything that can happen to a basketball team, you never know what the starting lineup will be, as, as everybody saw this week with Horston not available to go because of a non-COVID illness. That that was specified immediately, mm-hmm. and but obviously returned for Arkansas. And, and Kelly said she looked, she looked winded in that first quarter. I mean, you've 
been off the court for nearly for two weeks, essentially. It's you don't just I don't care how young you are. You don't just step back on into basketball speed after you've been out, particularly with any kind of respiratory issue. I mean, that that takes a toll on. I, mean, I, I don't know how these kids play with the flu. I've heard of these flu games. I, yeah. I'd be curled up in a fetal position. I'm not playing with the flu. I can't even get up. I, I'm right there with you, man. The a- athletes and their grittiness and, and their able to, ability to push through things like working what I do, just you know, working in front of a computer with when I'm sick doesn't feel great. I don't know how they go out there and run around and jump and do all the stuff they do when they're sick. That, that did remind me just really briefly to, on a, on a funny note, lighter note, uh, I saw, you know, I didn't, I didn't catch it during the game, but I saw the, the video clip from SEC Network. And also, I think it was Jordan was asked about it. The little assist there that uh, Coach Harper gave Jordan when she fell onto the sideline and helped her get back into the court. Did, did Coach Harper have anything to say about that? I know Jordan did. And no, if anyone we, didn't we, hear it, you can, you can say what, what she said, too. We didn't we didn't ask her about it after the game. One thing about post games on the road is they are quick. The player, yeah. I mean, they're trying to catch a flight. And mm-hmm. you are going as fast as you can to, to get through it. And because we interviewed Kean and uh, we interviewed Kean and uh, Tamari and then Kelly, of course. And, you know, you have to do one 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 by one there in front of the screen. So we're going as fast as we can. But I did see Jordan's tweet where she said, don't let the skinny arms fool you. Talking about Kelly. She's got a lot of strength. <laughs> I mean, Kelly, one, she got her right back up. She managed to to push her back on the court right as the ball was getting turned over, went right to Jordan. And Kelly could have gotten a technical had she stepped on the floor, but she managed to keep her shoes on the, on the sideline, you know, in the coach's area. She didn't even, she, I mean, it was just a well-executed play there by Kelly and Jordan. Yeah. She used some of that old uh, point guard vision and point guard footwork that she, she had back in the day to, uh, to realize where she was, Uh, but to get back on the court and to look back at, uh, a couple of these games, I think someone who's been pivotal, especially in the Arkansas game, then you look at the fourth quarter, and that was Tamari Key. I, I've been particularly impressed with her, um, the way she's grown offensively. She still has, still has t- uh, steps to take, obviously, but she's been a a much more consistent offensive threat this year than she has any year pa- any years past. And I, I think that she, to me, I, I can't remember who we were talking before the season, if you said it was her, but I, I know when I talked to Kellyanne a couple weeks ago, we're talking about kind of the keys to the big Stanford game. And we're talking about Tamari key being the big, you know, the big key for that one. I think to me, Tamari is potentially the big difference maker for the Lady balls and sec play, because you don't have very many teams that can match up with their size, obviously, obviously on, on defense, but I think offensively there's a couple of times in that game against Arkansas, that one drive of the basket she made, I think it was Horston or Walker made the perfect pass to her. And mm-hmm. she made the perfect trend, just lay up and got fouled and made the free throw. I mean, she looked, that was a, beautiful textbook like WNBA play. And that, that was such a professional play and her free throw shooting was really good against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think her growth overall to me, Maria, she's been my, uh, as, I guess technically Jordan Horson has been the one who's impressed me most, but I, I didn't know is, is Tamari the person who's impressed you the most because she's right up there with Jordan Horston for me in terms of who's impressed me the most in this you know first half of the season, basically. I, I will say what she's done is being, has been very impressive. Am I surprised? No. You could see it in her. I, I have learned over the years that post players, you've got to really wait till their junior year to see what they can be. It is a hard league to be a freshman in. The physicality, they've, they're not used to it. They have never been hit in the post like that in their life. And they're if they did, they certainly got a foul call, and you're not going to get them in the SEC. And you – you need a couple summers in the weight room to really get ready for the physicality of this league. One player I could compare it to, though, Izzy is shorter. She's 6'3". Izzy Harrison, as a freshman, was going to do one of two things. She was going to shoot the ball, whether she was open or not, or she was going to turn it over, typically with an offensive charge. She became an outstanding Play post player in college and also became a WNBA draft pick and is main and is still playing in the WNBA. And that was a case of a player just getting better. Now, Tamari, you know, she came in listed at 6'5. Now, the player she was going against, Jersey Wolfenbarger, is a 6'5 freshman for Arkansas. She's a post and somebody who could shoot threes. She had a str- she struggled against Tamari, but I will say Jersey Wolfenbarger is going to be an excellent player in this league. That's the difference in a freshman going against a junior. I mean, Tamari's stronger. She's more savvy. She knows how to get around her. 
And I know Tamari's conceding now to being six six. I'm going to put her at six seven. I mean, she she is has developed into a player that I'm not surprised, but I am impressed because she she's even ahead of where I thought she could be as a junior. I mean, at this point, she go she goes out next season and the you know the class of graduates in class of uh, 2023 in college. She she could be the number one draft pick. I mean, absolutely no doubt. You don't find six size six seven with that shot blocking ability, the ability to hit shots, the ability to finish, and she made it a point this season to work on her free throw shooting, and she's mm-hmm. got herself to about seventy percent, which is you want to post seventy or higher. So. I am very impressed with what Tamari has done. And and I agree with you. Absolutely key to this season. The upperclassmen had to step up. Absolutely. Jordan Walker, Alexis Dye, even though she hasn't played in the SEC, she's got a ton of college experience. Kean Green, uh, Ray Burrell, who they lost, you know, unfortunately 20 minutes into the season. Mm-hmm. Jordan Horston and Tamari Key. You, those players you know we're going to get the bulk of the minutes. And I want to give a shout-out, too, to Jesse Rennie and Emily Saunders. They stayed. They stayed at Tennessee. You know, the coaching change, that was the junior class. They all stayed. They all came. And when Jesse and Emily are on the floor, they give Tennessee what they've got. They give quality minutes. They do their job. And that's one thing Kelly has really done with this team is made every player on that roster feel like you are a part of this team. You have a role. You, we need you, and it, it keeps everybody engaged. And and you know, so shout out to Kelly because that's not easy. M- minute management is not easy for any head coach because every kid wants to play. And if you didn't want to play, why did you know you're not a competitor? So coaches understand it. Absolutely, and, and I'll say too that that's what's uh, probably my favorite piece of content after every time the Lady Vols win is when they put out on Twitter the video of of Coach Harper and then her assistant coaches and husband and everybody coming in and high-fiving and hooting and hollering with the whole team. Like, it's not just individual players or congratulating you're doing the entire team. And it's obviously, obviously easier to do that with basketball than it is in football or, or, you know, sports like that. But it just, like you said, it shows that she wants to build that that camaraderie. She wants to build that culture. And that I think that's been the biggest thing is trying to reshape that culture. And I think it's there. I think that culture of team of the family more or less is there. I think that's huge for this team. You, they, they, you can tell they care about each other and that they root for each other and that, you know, they're playing for more than themselves. They're playing for the team. They're playing for their coach. They're playing for the name on their, on their Jersey. So I think that's a very good point. Um, and that also had a, had a I follow up question kind of to that. And I'm not sure I remember what it was oh, about freshman. Cause I remember seeing someone on Twitter mentioning that, you know, come to Tennessee because if you're a freshman, you're good enough. They're this and the coaches trust you. They're going to play you. And, and for the fourth quarter, when the game matters the most, because you had, you've seen it multiple games this year, fourth quarter, you've had one or maybe two or maybe even three freshmen. And that was one thing I remember you and I were talking about before the season, Maria, is you don't, you don't have to start and you don't have to play freshmen this year. Like you had in years past, but these freshmen, some of them are good enough to actually play in more minutes in the fourth quarter. We've seen that time and time again. This year with Sarah Puckett, with uh, Brooklyn Miles, and even some with Kaya Wynn uh, sometimes too, but uh, specifically with Brooklyn and Puckett, uh, they've played a lot of minutes in, in, in games this year. I, I think to me, that's been another thing that I've been very interested to see how it continues when we get into SEC play and deeper into SEC play is how, they, how many more minutes they keep playing. But I think to me, you know, seeing what these freshmen are doing and kind of how quickly they're learning, how quickly they're picking things up. That to me has been also very impressive. I agree. And Caroline Stripling, I want to bring her up mm-hmm. too, if only because I, I, I hope she keeps her head up right now. She, she projects to a post player with what they're working with right now. Now she could become a stretch forward too, but right now she's playing behind Tamari key, key and green and Alexis die. Of course, two seniors in, in that mix. And freshman post players, and Izzy had to learn it too. Izzy wanted to play. She was upset when she wasn't playing. I mean, you're just not used to it. You were the Mm -hmm. it factor in high school, and suddenly you're the 11th or 12th player in the game. And and you, I mean, that is a, that's hard to deal with. And Caroline Striplin has an incredible skill set. She is, you know how they used to call the old the lady vols that won the national title the corn fed chicks. Mm-hmm. That's what Carol and this, and this is a compliment. Caroline mm-hmm. Stripling, she is she she is an immovable force in that paint. She is physical. She mixes it up. 
she's beautiful free throw shooter. I mean, she's basically a hundred percent free throw shooter almost. I mean, she yeah. just repeatable for and yeah for a somebody to thirteen this year. So yeah, basically almost hundred <laughs> percent. She can she can flat out shoot free throws and she can hit shots. So I, that's a that's a player. I'm I'm like just stay patient, keep working. Your time is coming. You're going to be an outstanding post player at, at Tennessee. So. But I, no, I agree. We discussed the fact that the freshmen can help. They have got to help this team. And, and obviously Sarah Puckett had to step in when, when Jordan Horston was out. She, she did well. I think Arkansas sort of opened their eyes a little bit more to the physicality of the league and how you're not going to get calls on the road and you just are going to have to deal with that. And the, the fact that a team that you may not know much about, they don't know these teams. I mean, they've never played them before this is everything was new to them they don't know the gyms and I wonder too about the cold because it was like 18 19 degrees in, in Fayetteville I, Fayetteville in January just doesn't seem like where I'd want to be and 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 sometimes those gyms can be cold and I, I wonder sometimes if, if that affects it can affect shooting big time mm-hmm. but uh it's is for freshmen. Pat used to say every moment a teaching moment and that is particularly true for freshmen yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, that's that's why I'm really curious, too, to see like how these freshmen continue on in SEC play, because we, we've, we've basically just kind of dipped our toe into the waters of SEC play. We're, we're two games in. Again, two nice, impressive victories for Lady Vols, but they do play a Texas A&M squad that's not as, as good as A&M has been in recent past, but they're still a, a team you can't just take lightly and can't look over. Um, no. then, you, then you go, like you said, on the road at Ole Miss, at Vanderbilt, and then you host Kentucky. Uh, you go at, <laughs> at on the road against Georgia and on the road against Auburn. So you have one home game after this A&M game sandwiched in between uh, four road contests. I, I don't care how good or bad the competition is on, on some of those games. That's rough. I mean, that, that is a, uh, yeah. a rough slate. Of, and, of, and all of those teams, I mean, everybody in the SEC can beat one another. I mean, look what happened to South Carolina. Missouri was, was down yep. several players because of COVID. And look, mm-hmm. look what happened. Lost in overtime. I mean, Ole Miss took Tennessee to the absolute wire last season in Knoxville and has everybody back and has added players. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Texas A&M, I mean, they, they're a tough team. Uh, Gary yeah. Blair, it's his last season. You now he's retiring after this. Tennessee has lost three consecutive games to Texas A&M. They lost there, of course. Like That was the infamous snow game where they didn't get home for four days. Yep. Uh, the last time they won was uh, 2018, and they lost the two previous games before that. So they're they're one and five against LSU in the last six games. I mean, against Texas A&M in the last six games. LSU, obviously, they've beaten several times. It's a A&M is always a problem. They're they're another. They're going to see a very similar style of play. Very aggressive, very physical team. And the 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 strategy for opposing coaches is that. We can't match up with Tennessee size, so we're just going to foul them because they can't possibly call all of them, and they didn't. I mean, even though five Arkansas players fouled out, it could have happened like in the third quarter had they called all of them, yeah. but that's right, the reality I'm here, of the SEC. Is I'm, here, I'm here laughing because I was like, it seems like everybody in Arkansas is fouling out once we got into the fourth quarter. They had basically almost all their starters were just gone. It, it was it was funny, but I mean, that, that was – Get to go back to a point you and I were talking about before that we started recording the the podcast here. Like I think it maybe even mentioned at the top of the podcast. Like these this Lady Vols squad are the cardiac kids, and and I was texting with a friend of mine about about the the team, and they're like, you know, if they would only just hit their free throws, maybe we would be in the situation in the fourth quarter. I was like, you're right, but also I think it also does speak to this team's resilience, and I I think I, I talked about it last episode with Kellyanne, where I said, you know. Unless this team's down by like 20 points going in the fourth quarter, I, I'm not counting them out. Like you can be down 10, 12, 13, 14 points going into the fourth quarter. And I, I think this team has a chance to win it. You look at Arkansas, they weren't down by eight heading into the fourth, but they were down by eight at some point in the, like late in the third quarter in that game. And I still thought, don't let it get the double digits. And I think this game is still very winnable. And then lo and behold, they go out and, and, you know, use a lot of free throws and, and draw a lot of fouls, but they still did. Like, Tamari did a fantastic job. Jordan Walker did a fantastic job. And that team came back and won. They they came back and won in, a sec- in the second half against Alabama. They've come back and won multiple times this year and late in the third and the fourth. I think that to me 
it doesn't to me it doesn't seem like they're just kind of lagging behind and all of a sudden they turn on in the fourth it just seems like they hit a, a different gear in the fourth is that, is that accurate am I, or am i wrong there does, does it seem like to no, you, how, how do you view it i i wholeheartedly agree they kelly has them believing in themselves and understand and a lot of this team they're starting to take on kelly's personality and hmm. and that starts at the top I've, I've i've heard it said before and there's some truth to it coaches can win or lose in the fourth quarter. And some of that is not just who you have on the floor. It's how you act in the huddles. And, and Kelly made a calculated gamble. Now the, the foul calling was atrocious. And, and I mean, I've been saying that I've been covering the league 20 something years. I've said it every season. There's was this particularly perplexing? Yes. But guess what? It's going to happen again. Yeah. And, they were frustrated. You could read the body language. Tamar even said after the game, I was frustrated. I was irritated. And Kelly basically said, she said it was right near the end of the third or right in that first time out of the fourth quarter. She basically said, quit complaining, quit whining, get over it, go play. It's We know how the game's being called. The game's been established. Go deal with it. Take care of it. And she said this team, true to fashion, when we asked them to do something, they tried their best to go do it, and and they turned it around. Now, I mean that that's a coaching call. Is to do you do you tell your team, "I'm sorry, I know the calls are bad." No, you tell them, "Get over it, quit whining, go play." There's nothing we can do about it. So that you got to make a call of what your team needs to hear at that moment. And Kelly has certainly struck the right notes. I mean, adversity is going to come in the SEC. Heck, it's mm-hmm. already come. You had to come back against Alabama. You had to come back on the road. The SEC is is a tough, brutally tough conference night in and night out. I mean, Florida was leading Georgia all the way through that game and lost late in the fourth quarter. Florida was a team that struggled last season. I think I can't remember where they fit. It wasn't last place because Vanderbilt ended their season because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And speaking of COVID, the other good thing, and Kelly's aware of this, is the the system in place now for – for COVID-19 cancellations, you, if you have seven players and at least one coach, you you got to go. Yep. You need to play. You don't know who those seven might be because of contact tracing. You may have two starters and the rest bench players. So it behooves a coach to get everybody on that squad ready for, for this SEC slate because you're not really sure game to game who might be available depending on contact tracing or quarantining. Yeah, that's a very good point. And like you said, you've you've been able to, thankfully for the Lady Balls, have been able to play a lot of the, these players, especially early on. But even here in the SEC, with the games, like you said, with Jordan Horston and Ray Burrell being out for the Alabama game, you're able to play some some of those bench players in that game and, and get the win. So it's a it's a bonus. You have learning opportunities, and you got the win. So it's like that's like a win. That's like an ultimate win for a coach. Is yes, we got the win, and we have all this stuff on film. We can go back and correct not just with our starters and regular players. But for our our seventh, eighth, ninth players on the bench there, so that that was super important. And and also against Arkansas, you had some players come in because of different foul trouble stuff that you know played different minutes and stuff too. And I, I, that's a very good point because you don't know. And, and I, I talked about this uh, in the last podcast with Gene, just the the regular vol basketball fever. Uh, you know, because the men's team had Fulkerson and and Kenny mm-hmm. Chandler out against the Alabama game. And I said every team this year, I feel like in men's and women's both are basically every team I think is going to have at least one game. They, they quote unquote lose because of COVID because you're going to have people get it and you're going to have, you know, a couple starters out or a couple really key players out. I hope it doesn't happen to lady balls, but there's a very good chance it could happen, you know, down the line, they could have, like you said, playing with just two starters basically because a couple other people are out because of COVID or other injuries. So it can absolutely happen. That's where you set, like you said, it comes down to coaching and getting your players prepared. And it comes down to the players, you know, taking that coaching, receiving it, and being prepared themselves and not, you know, not taking it lightly. And like you said, I think this team has taken on the personality of coach Harper. And I think she's not one to t- approach anything lightly and lazily. And I, I think just from watching this team and how they, how they interact and stuff, I, I think they've taken that same personality on too. She's very efficient, very mathematical with her calculations. Um, she has, I mean, she has practice plans that she's, prepared and she's ready she knows what she wants to do she she has a plan she's had a plan since she got here and I kept telling people and this was pre-COVID I had no idea she was going to deal with a pandemic and every this is her third year and she's dealt with a pandemic all three seasons that she's been here I said the first 
season, you're just trying to get your arms around everything. Everything's new, your staff, the program, your players. I said, the second season, you'll see growth. I said, if you're going to judge Kelly, and, and I, I, I say that loosely because, I mean, fans do. I, I don't. I, so I can't run up. I can't draw up an in, inbounds play. I'm not going to judge Kelly's coaching ability when I can't even do that effectively. But if you're going to evaluate Kelly, maybe that's a nicer word because judge can sound har- harsh. Mm-hmm. Sounds judgmental, no pun intended. Um, wait till the third season. Then you'll, st- and I said, you'll start to see what she's trying to do, what she is working towards. Now, did I expect 13 and one? And number seven in the country, two and zero, going into the SEC on the going into first of the year. No, mm-hmm. it, particularly if you told me, "Oh, you're going to lose Ray Burrell in the first half of the season opener," it'd be like, "Oh my goodness, right. this is going to be tough." And their only loss, so I mean, I, I'm not saying they're going to run through the SEC. The league is just too brutal. But mm-hmm. their only loss in non-conference was Stanford, a team that they nearly picked off. Just couldn't get get over that hump in the in the third quarter and then into the fourth. But so it's uh it's I think fans are now seeing now. Okay, this is what Kelly's plan is. This this is her vision. Now a lot of people are going to say, well, you better win this and you better win that and you better make a deep run in the NCAA. I, I've got to see matchups. What's the team's health at that point? Where are they at? Where are other teams at? I will say this for the first time in a long time. It's been a long time coming. I I feel like Tennessee is in and can compete in every single game it plays. And over the years, there were some matchups. I'm like, it's Tennessee's going to it's going to have to be a tremendous effort and and yep. breakdowns by the other team. For I said Tennessee can play, but I, I I went into multiple games thinking they were very much a long shot to win. I 100 percent agree with you on that one. That that's that's. That I, you put into words kind of how I felt and didn't realize that's that's how I felt until just now. Like that, that's I don't I don't think I don't like you said I don't expect this team to win every game. Like because that's just not that's no one said it's not possible because it is possible, but it's very unlikely to happen. But I'm not expecting them going into it saying okay they have to have like a thousand things break their way to win this game. It, it's not the case anymore. They they can beat UConn. They can beat South Carolina. They they almost beat Stanford. So I don't I don't expect them to go into a game needing the other team to play one of their worst games of the year and, and Tennessee to play one of their best for the Lady Vols to win. Like I, I, you're right. I think they are going to be competitive in every single game they play. Now, are they going to slip up and maybe lose a game? They quote unquote shouldn't probably because I'm going to get to the, the, the next topic here. You mentioned earlier, look at, I, I think this, this might be the deepest the SEC has been potentially in women's basketball because like you just brought up the shorthand of Missouri team just upset South Carolina in, in, in crazy fashion. That was an exciting game. And that, that layup at the buzzer there in overtime to win. That's not it. Like, I mean, that's not the only thing you look at, look at how good LSU is playing right now. They only, they're just like Lady Balls. They have one loss. I mean, there there's a depth to this conference that I don't know that has been there in years past. Now, is it the deepest conference ever? I don't know, but it still is a conference that I, I think, the ninth, tenth team in the you know in the standings can beat the third, fourth, maybe even second team in the standings. Like I, I think anyone can beat anyone for the most part on any given night, and I, that's why I, that's why I'm excited to see the way, way the, the way the Lady Vols play in SEC this year because they're going to get tested basically every single night they play. And I, I'm excited because I ask you, Mary, you've obviously watched a lot more basketball than I have. Is this the deepest you've seen the SEC? Yes, okay. it, it it has been it has been progressing that way for several years. Some mm-hmm. some old time fans get upset when I say this because you know it, it's easy to forget the situation. You know, like Pat Summit, we deify Pat Summit, and and in many regards we should, mm-hmm. but sometimes it can get exaggerated in terms of the situation. You know, people were saying, "Well, Pat always played the toughest non conference teams," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's because there were about two teams in the SEC that she thought could really beat them." She mm-hmm. added she would load up that non-conference schedule because she needed those games to test her team because she knew the SEC. I mean, it, and it varied from year to year. I mean, sometimes it was Georgia, sometimes it's LSU, sometimes it was Auburn. It it Vanderbilt at, at some point was particularly troublesome at times too. And but you never had that top to bottom depth. You had games that you knew Tennessee could win by twenty five if they. You know, even on a not so on a, just on a decent night, you knew they were going to win. That there was no way that team had the athletes or the shooters or anybody to stay with them. Now 
you can go to a team, place like Florida, like Georgia did, which is a very good team, and get taken to the wire by a very good Florida team. It's just, it, it literally is true. And if you didn't believe it, and I know you do, if you, you don't, you do now after seeing South Carolina, the number one team in the country, lose at Missouri in overtime because that is SEC basketball. Right, exactly. And I'm looking here at the the latest updated AP poll that came out. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night here, so it came out earlier today. Uh, just just going to list off all the SEC teams in there because you have Tennessee at seven. Uh, I'm going to scroll down. You have LSU at 13 because they moved up. You have Georgia at 15. Uh, you also have Kentucky at 21. And then you have Texas A&M now hanging on there at number 25. And you also have receiving votes. You have Missouri. And then I want to say you had one more, maybe not, but that, that's still, that's a solid group. And then there South of, Carolina at the top. Oh yeah. I, with, I totally yeah. skimmed by them for some reason. Yeah. South Carolina at the top. So like, that's a solid about almost half, I think maybe exactly half of the SEC that is either in the top 25 or is receiving votes in the top 25 for, in the AP poll. So, I mean, again, <laughs> it's a very deep league. It's, 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 it's going to be, I, I don't know that the Lady Vols, like, and like you mentioned, that doesn't even include the fact that you have an Ole Miss team that, like you said, took the Lady Vols to the wire last year and returned all those players. And by all accounts, it's not a bad team this year either. I mean, it, it's it's going to be a tough schedule. But again, as you just said, Lady Vols already played a tough schedule in non-conference and came out with with one loss. And they did that without Ray Burrell. I mean, I, like you said, I was not expecting them to come out. There'd be you know one, a one-loss team at this point. But especially if you told me, you, you, when, you, when you and I were doing the podcast at the beginning of the year, we had both talked about we knew that Ray Burrell was going to be out for basically the first, what, month and a half of the year. I'd say there's no yeah. way they have one loss. I'd say, okay, they're going to lose the Stanford. They're going to lose this game. They're probably going to lose that game. They're probably you know lose three, maybe even four non-conference games. They didn't. They beat every team but Stanford, and they still have beaten every team they've played but Stanford. It, it, it's really I, I'm trying not to like get too sunshine and roses and, and, you know, be a, a sunshine pumper here, but it just, it's been very impressive. And I, I, again, I'm expecting them to lose a couple more games here and there because it's just going to happen, but cause you're going to have an off night where, you know, the shots aren't falling and, and the other team is, is going to be able to penetrate your defense and has a, you know, you just have a bad matchup with them. It's just going to happen. That's, that's basketball. You very rarely nowadays, especially have undefeated teams in basketball. Um, especially now with the women's game with it being a lot more parody than it was even just 10 years ago. It's mm-hmm. very, very hard to be undefeated in women's basketball now too. Um, but this team, like you said, th- this is the most confidence I've had in a Lady Vols team in years. And that, that, that in itself is just a big victory to me, in my opinion, as, as someone who grew up watching the Pat Summit Vols and, and watching them win you know, a couple of, ch- a couple of national ch- titles and watching Candace Parker and watching those teams. Like it's really nice to feel confident again and say hey even if they don't win this game i i don't feel like they're going to you know have an embarrassing loss they're going to go out and compete and it's going to be close and i'm going to say okay they gave it their best shot go on to the next one and it's it's win the next one and it is so hard to run the table in the sec yeah. i know south carolina's done it recently tennessee's done it it is so very very hard because everything this one one play could go wrong at the end of a game it is so hard to run the table and I, I don't think any SEC every every SEC coach would goes into a season wanting to do so, but I think realistically they know. I guarantee you, South Carolina was shocked. Now they've already bounced back from that loss, and uh, so it, I guarantee you they were shocked to go to Missouri and oh, yeah. lose. But it just goes to show. I mean, Missouri and Tennessee games have been nail biters. It's it's fun. If you love women's college basketball, it is a heck of a league to watch because every game is, is just outstanding, outstanding players, which brings us back to the freshmen. It's a veteran league, too. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a lot of six-year players like Kayla Pointer at LSU. I mean, or I mean, I guess, well, Ted, I think she had the ACL injury and came back. I, I mean, it's her fifth year of being on the court. Right, right. Uh, Alexis Dye came out of Troy. I mean, this is her fifth year of basketball. She she would have been out of eligibility if not for COVID, but she you know, wisely took that extra year. Kean had a, had the injury year anyway, so this isn't an extra. Jordan Walker, this isn't an extra year for her. This is only her fourth on the court because she missed a full season at Central Michigan with the torn ACL. So, and that brings me to another point about Kelly because you look at some of the players I just rattled off. Alexis died, Troy University, Keegan Green, Liberty University, Jordan Walker, Central Michigan. 
a lot of people, and I heard this from a lot of folks that were worried about, well, Kelly's coached at mid-majors, you know, Missouri State. She was at NC State. That was, yeah, Western Carolina, NC State. NC State was several years ago. Now, of course, of Missouri State to here. Can she coach at the Power Five? And I think what we're seeing now is Kelly has had to do a lot with players who were not as talented. That makes you a better coach. You have got to get more out of player. I mean, the, the four stars and the five stars, they come in with the talent. You got to figure out how to manage it, get them coachable, get them up to the college speed. Some of these overlooked kids, you got to do it with, with your coaching and their desire. And, and I mean, you've got three players who just play with so much heart and Alexis Dye, Jordan Walker and Kean Green. And look where they started from. And Kelly has shown the ability to get the maximum that she can out of players who weren't that, you know, heralded. I mean, if you had said three years ago, oh, they're going to have Jordan, Alexis die and Jordan Walker and Key and Green, people would have gone, who? I mean, unless you really take a deep dive into women's basketball, you would not have known much about about those players because those schools don't get don't get that attention. Even Key and Green, the one time she played here, was first round of the NCAA tournament. And it was what she remembers is it was a 40 point loss. <laughs> and and now she's playing for the Lady Vols. So I, that is one thing I've noticed about Kelly. And partly I think she's an outstanding coach. She's still got that point guard mentality, but number two, she has had to do it. I mean, she got to a sweet 16 with a Missouri state team that I, I think most power five fans would be hard pressed to name a single starter on that team. Mm-hmm. And beat Iowa state at Iowa State, which is not easy to do. That is a legendary program. Bill Finley's been there for years. And it, had she had a better shooter, she might have picked off Stanford that year. But So I, I think you're seeing Kelly can coach. There, there is no – I think people – anybody had any questions about her coaching ability, that should have been put to bed already. Now imagine her – starting to get some of that top talent rolling in. I mean, right now there's one McDonald's All-American. If you, I don't, Those don't mean a whole lot to me, but they mean a lot to a lot of people. And Jordan Horston, she's the only one. Tamari Key not being a McDonald's high school All-American and now looks foolish, but yeah. she was not. And there's only one on Tennessee's roster. And imagine when – and Kelly is not just like picking out, okay, talent, 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 I want that. She's looking at fit. She is very big on fit and culture and and uh, the way a player performs on and off the court. Kelly said champions on the court, you know, that they tend to be – she's looking at how does your high school – now she understands if you maybe play in a high school that is a small rural high school, I mean, you can't do much, but what do you do with what you have? Right. So, so when she, when she – I, I figured 2023 would be where you, we would start to see some of the recruiting changes that you, you're going to see some some kids coming in. And not that, I mean, she got some excellent recruits. I mean, all ranked in the ESPN top 100, the four mm-hmm. freshmen that just came in. I'm not saying those are mid-level players. I mean, Brooklyn Miles may be the surprise of the class. I mean, every you know, that's a kid who size people, you know, they knock, they knock her down because of it. They don't They don't rank her that high. She's got a motor that just doesn't quit. She's got mm-hmm. attitude on that court. You've got to have attitude when you're 5'4". And she, she and Jordan Walker have it. And that's, that's a good thing for both of them. I absolutely agree. And that was a perfect segue because before we closed out here, I was absolutely going to bring up recruiting because last time I had you on, we had a, a, a couple people reach out who asked, hey, next time we have Maria on, uh, can we talk about some recruiting? And by the way, I don't think I mentioned the top of the show, but most people I'm, I'm sure who are listening slash watching know who you are, Maria, but in case you don't know, we've gotten to this point. Maria writes about Levals for uh, GoVals247. So if you don't know that, that, that's where you can find her work is on GoVals247 or at her Twitter account, which is MM Cornelius. Uh, so follow her there. And then also, again, check out her stuff on the Tennessee 247 website. But that, that also brings me again to recruiting because you also talk a lot about recruiting. You know, you know what the Levals are doing, who they're targeting and stuff. So for our, our listeners who may not, or viewers are, you know, having, again, have your taking this podcast. Who may not have like their, their finger on the pulse of recruiting. You mentioned the 23 class. I, I know, you know, I know some of the, the names, I guess a couple of the names, but I'm not, you know, my, my finger isn't on the pulse as much as it, I, I would like it to be for labels recruiting. So, you know, just quick breakdown. I don't want you to go to too much detail, but just kind of a quick breakdown of, you know, 
how many players Laval's can take in in this class, kind of who they're targeting and kind of where you think, you know, things are going. And obviously this is also taking into account the transfer portal. You know, that's going to be something where the play into in the off season. So you know, this is all with like a bunch of, you know, ifs and buts and all the stuff up in the air still we have the the fall signing period which just happened with with justine signing already for mm-hmm. the lady balls which is huge but here with this the spring signing coming up uh you know several months from now and then with the transfer portal you know what, what do you think the lady balls are the coaching staff looking at the position wise to add and here are some names that uh fans should be kind of keeping up with right now yeah, i'm gonna do some math here so bear with me um yeah, i no, got the, the, the numbers up, the numbers got... are always fun the numbers are what fans always like to know about because <laughs> <laughs> they always want to know how many can we add who 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 you know what kind of, how many scholarships are there i know definitely in football but i know in basketball it's the same thing you know how many guys or how many girls can we take in in a class and the one thing that i know you know this but i've noticed some fans don't is that women's basketball still is at a roster of 15 men's mm-hmm. obviously at 12 walk-ons women can go as high as 15 so i do some quick math tennessee has 14 on the roster right now we know that Alexis Dye is out of eligibility. She's using her extra year. So that takes it down to 13. We know that Ray Burrell is ready for her to start, you know, her next chapter of her life, professional basketball. Now, I always say you never say never. I mean, what if, the, you know, the comeback, you know, she, she has a setback or I mean, she this is all things she would evaluate with her family and her agent and Tennessee in, in April. So but let's just assume Everything goes great. Ray Burrell's back on the floor being Ray Burrell. She's ready for the WNBA draft. So now, okay, now you're down to 12. Kean Green, uh, technically, I think Kean would have another year, but I don't know. I mean, she is in year six now of basketball. So let's say, you know, Kean Green is ready to, for basketball to be in the rearview mirror. That would be a, so now you're down to 11. Now, Jordan Walker, she's another one that technically would have an extra year, but she may be ready to move on. I mean, professional opportunities are not just in the WNBA. Like uh, uh, Tennessee's, uh, uh, they've had some players go over over the summer to, uh, like Cassie Kushkitawa. She was in Brazil in July, making making money overseas playing basketball. So you don't, and you 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 do that, and you hope that you get picked up eventually or into training camp for uh, Lady Vol. Lady Vol for WNBA. So let's say, let's just say you're down to 10, that you lose four and you may not, you may only lose uh, two. You got one coming in, Justine Passat. So that's 11. Technically you could sign up to four in the class of 2023. As you mentioned, the wrinkle is the transfer portal. Do any of your current players leave? At this point, you can't be surprised if it happens. It's, it, it is a common thing now across all programs that a player may opt to go somewhere else. Then you take a look at who's in it. Is there somebody in it that could help your team right away? I mean, because a, a proven senior, you would bring in and then you would recruit your freshmen knowing that they're going to, you know, work their way into the program so I, I would say anywhere from two to four, probably three to four, depending on on on, on the numbers. Uh, obviously, one of the the uh, the one of the biggest tar- there's there's several, and I'm just going to throw out some names. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ashlyn Shade would it probably be the number one target at this point. That's the she's made two unofficial visits here. That is the five nine guard out of Noblesville, Indiana. Lights out shooter. I mean, lights out like like Justine Passat. She's open mm. when she steps off the bus. She is a phenomenal shooter. And and imagine Tennessee right now with two or three three point. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's, that's, we, what, that's what they're missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Justine Passat. Tamari Key is probably going to roll out the red carpet for Justine Passat because mm-hmm. she's another one. She can shoot to twenty five feet. She's open 25, 26 feet. So, you know, be, and you extend the defense that far, Tamari Key's going to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia McGee, 6'2 guard out of um, – she's out of Mineral, Virginia. She released her top 11. It's full of top teams, and Tennessee is one of them. She released that on New Year's Day. Madison Booker, that's a 6'1 wing out of uh, Ridge, Ridgeland, Mississippi. Uh, another another player they're, they're really uh, interested in uh, – Cadence Samuels, 6'1 guard out of Forestville, Maryland, is another one. Delaney Thomas, 6'2 forward out of Charlestown, West Virginia. 
couple posts, and Tennessee's going to definitely need posts. And if I'm a post player, I'm thinking, look at what uh, Tamari Key is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaliyah Del Rosario, a uh, 6'6 post. She goes, uh, she attends school near Nashville. I think it's actually Bell Buckle, but they're saying Nashville. Okay. It's, it's the web school, but it's not the web school of Knoxville. So some people have gotten confused. Uh, Essence Cody, she's a 6'3 post out of Valdosta, Georgia. Chloe, Chloe Clardy, she was recently here on a visit, 5'9 guard out of Conway, Arkansas. Some others I've heard, Corey Allen, 5'10 guard, Nashville. That's a legacy player. That's the uh, daughter of Corey Allen, spelled mm. C-O-R-E-Y. She spells it C-O-R-Y. Uh a former Vol, uh, Lene, and I could, I, I don't have the pronunciations. Uh, it's L E N E E, uh, a Beaumont, a 510 guard out of Illinois. I'm just, li- these are people I'm tracking. I'm okay. watching them. And I'm not saying that the Tennessee, it's everyone holds a, we'll take your commitment right now. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, there's committable offers, there's wait and see, there's, uh, Jaden Donovan, six foot guard out of Washington. Amaya Ferguson, five nine guard out of St. Stephen, South Carolina. Malaysia Fawali, and please forgive me if I'm messing up these names. Uh, it's hard to find pronunciation guides for high school players. Right. Yeah. Um, five six guard out of Columbia, South Carolina. Jada Harrison, a five eight guard out of Martin, Tennessee. Alyssa Latham, six one forward out of Glenwood, Illinois. Samaya Nichols, six foot wing out of Overland Park, Kansas. Cassandra Prosper, six one forward out of Quebec. Kaden mm. Samuels, I think I mentioned her. Ashlyn Shea, Delaney Thomas, I mentioned her. Angelica Velez, a five seven guard out of the Bronx, New York. Michaela Williams, six foot guard out of uh, Louisiana. Yep, I know who she is. And uh, Sole, I think it could be Williams. It's a uh, 5'9 guard out of Cincinnati, Ohio. I am not claiming one bit that that is a complete list. Mm-hmm. It is a list that I've been able to pick up from social media posts and trying to track who's visiting or who's interested. I easily There could be players who have already moved on or Tennessee has already moved on or players that I don't have. So please don't take that is a snapshot of what I know right now. It is a long way to go to signing day in November, so that list could could change a, a whole lot. But I, Ashlyn Shade is an incredible player. I mean, that that's a top five player, top, consensus top five player who is can just absolutely shoot the basketball. Yeah, I thought was, something uh, about those Indiana kids that can <laughs> they can flat out shoot. Hey, they like to shoot the ball up in Indiana, so I I, I, I get it. I, I'm glad you brought Michaela because that's someone I know from. Uh, different work-related stuff. I know somebody down in, in Shreveport who, uh, you know, does keeps up with athletic stuff there. So I, I've seen Michaela. She's a baller. I, I, like you said, I don't know, you know, all her interest in lay balls or lay balls or how interested they are in her, but that's someone I know where we should go is I think she'll have a bright future. Um, in the you know, race. Kim Wilkie wants to keep her home too. I mean, oh, yeah. that's the other thing with all these good teams and good coaches in the SEC recruiting is hard in the oh, SEC. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was something too, before we in here, I, I, I'm glad you, kept talking and, and talking about the SEC because that, that sparked something in my brain. What do you think of the new assistant coaches and their recruiting ties? Because I, I feel like, to me, it's, I feel like recruiting has taken, like you said, I think it's also the culmination of this being the third year under Coach Harper and now recruits seeing the, the growth and development of these players. But I also think the two new assistants, especially Coach Williams, I feel like they have taken the recruiting to another level, in my opinion, at least from an offers and kind of what we've seen so far. I think they've hit an extra gear. Not not, not trying to knock it, you know, in the, the previous assistants or anything like that. But I, I just feel like the the two new hires this offseason for Coach Harper, I feel like they've helped elevate the recruiting, at least where the Lady Vols are getting in with and, and some of the the players they're, you know, they're targeting and being able to get these conversations again on campus and stuff. No, I agree. And and like you, shout out to the two previous assistants. I mean, one obviously went to a head coaching job. At her absolute dream went with Kelly's blessing. The other returned back to Arkansas to go, to go back into the same position with Arkansas. And I mean, they, they only had a couple of years with Kelly. And, and that's one thing you really like to see is, is the staff get stabilized. And that, that appears to be the case right now with Joy McCorvey and, and Samantha Williams. Joy McCorvey, of course, came out of Florida state. She was at Michigan. She was at St. John's. Samantha Williams, her history was Duke, Louisville. Then she was a head coach at a smaller school in Kentucky. 
I mean, she didn't, I don't think she hesitated. Let's see, smaller school in Kentucky, the pinnacle of women's basketball. Okay, I'll go to Knoxville. <laughs> and I mean, Samantha Williams is just, I mean, she's done this 20 something years. She, I know. Like, she, she, I remember when, when, the, the hire of her was announced. I thought that was a steal. I, th- I think she's going to be phenomenal. And, and so far, I think she's been very, very solid for this, this program. And Kelly's directive, because I asked her about this over the summer. I mean, you're bringing in two new staff members, basically told them we have got to get started now with 24s, 25s, 26, which they have done. Heck, they're even looking at 27s. Their basic approach was we'll do what we can with 22, but we realize we are way behind on 22s. And they tried to, to catch up and got really close with a couple of players. Obviously, Justine Passat, she stuck around. She she committed back to the old, you know, to Lacey Goldwire was here and 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 Kelly, of course, and she stayed with that commitment. And the, and I mean. It's like Kelly said in that interview over the summer, it used to be your recruiting was more or less done in November. You would look at the JUCO ranks and, you know, but you didn't look because they had to sit out a year for, you mm-hmm. know, until recently graduate transfers became a thing and now they don't have to sit at all. But right now the transfer portal is your third wave of recruiting in, in that class. You've got, you know, the, the summer recruiting and then the fall recruiting and now you're into the spring of that year where you're trying, you looking at players that could be on your campus in two months and be ready to go who are experienced ball players. And the transfer portal has completely upended how you recruit. And, and that's part of it. It's not going away. So you, you got to adapt and figure it out. And they're, they're, they, I mean, look at the three they have three graduate transfers yeah. that are tremendous. Contr- I mean, Jordan Walker, Alexis Dyer starting and Keegan Green is like a six starter. I mean, she comes in and makes an immediate difference. So, it, I mean, Tennessee is a better team right now because of the transfer portal. Yeah, I was just about to say, look at how the transfer portal has really affected Lady Vols, both positive and negatively. You just mentioned, you know, three positives there with the players that are, you know, currently on the team that are starting or, like you said, playing key roles off the bench. But you also look at who transferred off this team <laughs> over the last few years with, you know, with the coaching change and also just other stuff happening too. But, like, the, the transfer portal has been instrumental in how we have viewed the Lady Vols, you know, in the in the Kelly Harper era and how the story has been written for them, whether you know positive or negative, and I think that's hopefully more positive than negative moving forward. But you're absolutely right. You're, you're, I, I don't you know I don't have anybody in my mind that I think is going to transfer off this team, but I think it's going to happen because it's very rare nowadays to not have at least one player transfer off your team, whether it's because they want to be closer to home or they want more minutes somewhere or they're just not a good fit or you know whatever. There, there's a multitude of reasons why a, a player can transfer. It is, isn't it isn't always a selfish reason or isn't always a the coach doesn't like them reason. It, there's all kinds of different reasons why a player transfers, but I think you at least have one player transfer off the roster and you'll probably bring one more in. So, and they've had success. This coaching staff has so far with the transfers they brought in, you know, I don't expect every transfer you bring in to be a superstar. If you look at Lexus dice has started all 14 games this year, has had multiple double doubles is averaging 10 and eight right now. You look at Jordan Walker who started all 14 games so far is averaging seven points and four rebounds. And I think yeah, almost five assists per game, or a little over four assists per game, excuse me. And then like you said, King green been a, a key piece off the bench has played in all 14 games, averaging seven and a half points at three and a half rebounds. So, I mean, and she's also blocked a few shots and everything too, and, and gotten a few steals. So she's been a key player. And again, obviously uh, Alexis Dye and Walker being starters have been very key players too. And, and have played 25 to 26 minutes a game just about. So Maria, we could talk for a lot longer, but I think, you know, give you your time back here in the evening and I, I'll, I'll kind of get this stuff edited and posted up here, here Monday night, but it's been an absolute pleasure again, having you on. I can't wait to see what happens in the next few weeks, Levals, And especially I, I've had this circle on my calendar for, I mean, ever since the game was announced, but I, I cannot wait. It's just three days after my birthday for February 6th when it's Tennessee and UConn up in, in Connecticut. I, I cannot wait for that game. I, I That's been like the game I've been the most excited about this whole basketball season. Maybe even men's and women's both combined. That might be the game I'm most excited about. So I think that week uh, I would plan ahead another month ahead here, but I think that week would be one I'd love to have you back on to talk about that game. But, you know, let everybody know. I, I just mentioned earlier where they can find your work, but let everybody know stuff you have out now. Anything else you want to plug or anything like that? Because it's been, again, it's been great to have you on here again. No, I, I appreciate it. You you mentioned the Twitter. I, I'm a prolific Twitter Twitterer. I have over a hundred thousand tweets. I've been on there since 2009. I told I told wow. people I don't know whether to congratulate myself for a hundred thousand tweets or apologize for it. 
Um, but yeah, go Vols 247. Uh, there's a summit message board there. The summit board is a premium board. A lot of the stories are free. I tell people click on the stories. It, it drives interest in women's sports. It shows interest in women's sports. So appreciate that. And Nathaniel, you know how to reach me. I, anytime you need me, you just shoot me a text and I'm happy to come on and, and talk women's basketball with you. I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm loving having a lay of all specific podcasts and getting to talk about it with people who obviously to me are, are a lot more knowledgeable than I am. Cause it's, it's nice having you. It's been nice having Cora Hall who covers for uh, Knox news and having Kellyanne on um, a, a few weeks ago too. So I feel like it's, it's nice to have experts come on and talk about things that they, they know what I'm talking about with. So it's been very nice. And again, appreciate you having on and appreciate all our listeners and all our viewers here. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, give this video a like to turn on the bell for notifications that I mentioned that earlier. Got to do all the YouTube stuff now. Uh, subscribe to the video and, and the channel while you're here. Um, and again, share it with everybody. If you're on the listening to the podcast, just the audio again, thank you all so much. We can find us everywhere podcasts are found or on Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, you name it. We're there. Uh, give us a five-star rating on all those and follow on social media. Also at, at Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter and Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. Signing off for Maria, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode. 